When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Daily. Today, celebrating the career of J.J. Watt, who has announced his retirement, came into the league in 2011. So this is going to be it for J.J. Watt. And Sam, this is kind of like a, a sentimental one for us here at PFF. J.J. Watt was one of the first, quote-unquote, PFF guys, you know, like uh, the breaking the grading system. We got a whole history here with J.J., a future Hall of Famer. And um, yeah, he's uh, he's calling it quits after this season. Yeah, that's the thing. He's actually not sort of one of the first PFF guys to retire for whom we have their entire career graded. You know, we kind of broke that a couple of years ago. Um, but what what is is actually a really interesting player in PFF's history because, you know, everyone is going to talk about his insane statistics. And there's a ton of those, you know, whether it's sacks, whether it's batted passes, whatever. Um, and all of the PFF data backs that up as well. Like he still holds the single season record for pressures in a season. He had 119 in a 16 game regular season back in 2014. But what he also does is what was a player that people talk about breaking, you know, a system because of whatever, like what genuinely was a big part of us talking about how the zero to 100 scale was going to function because of JJ Watt. Like back when we started and back when J.J. Watt started his career, we were still using the old plus minus way of displaying PFF grades. So a zero grade was league average over the course of the year. And great players would finish the season at that kind of interior alignment position. Justin Smith for the 49ers, plus 30, plus 35, something like that. And we thought that was about as good as you were going to get. Like Justin Smith was an incredible player, really consistent, much better than everybody else for a couple of years and we thought that was the peak and then jj watt comes along and throws that grade into like a plus 90 and all of a sudden completely changed everything we thought about what was possible at that position so when we pivoted to this zero to 100 close um scale system there were so many conversations that were about like what does that look like in a way that can contain both jj watt's grade and like regular human grades, you know, for just pro ball players. Like if, if JJ Watt is a 99, then those guys don't deserve to be more than like a 60 or a 65. But if a pro ball player should be a 90, then JJ Watt's grade should be like 124. Like it, it didn't make any sense. So like so many conversations took place around that time just because of JJ Watt and what it meant, like was possible with the grading. Yeah, we were just trying to figure out how do we properly display the impact that J.J. Watt is having, right, and um, and not diminish it. Um, and, and after we did convert to the scale, you know, J.J. Watt has a very good rookie season in 2011. He's at 90-plus each of the next four years from 2012 to 15. And at the time, the reason why we were having those conversations was because Watt was by far the most dominant player that we had seen, that we saw in the NFL during that time period. Now, this was before Aaron Donald came on the scene uh, and Donald was drafted in 2014. And then from 15 and on, Dar Aaron Donald kind of 
reset the the market, so to speak, just a little bit because of a, more consistency and fewer injuries from Watt. But Watt was the guy before Aaron Donald where the 90-plus grades grading so much better than everyone else uh, because of what he did in all phases, right? Again, what we're trying to do at PFF is quantify production on every snap. And there were certainly seasons where you don't need – you didn't need PFF to know that J.J. Watt was special, the years that he had 20-plus sacks or whatever it was. But even in years when he didn't have 20-plus sacks, as you mentioned, the 119 pressures that one year, other years with 80, 90-plus pressures, all the batted passes, and his run defense. Even on Sunday night, we saw a little turn back the clock where J.J. Watt was unblockable in the run game against Tampa Bay. That was what Watt would do every single week. He would just be swim move in the backfield, swim move in the backfield, blowing up run plays, finishing plays. And much like Donald, remember, Sam, like if he didn't have a good grade, we'd go back to the field. Like, wait, let's go back. What did they do? Like, how did J.J. Watt only have a 65 in this one random game? That's how special he was. If he had a bad game, we would go back and try to figure out what did this team do against him to slow him down. Yeah, I think, you know, when you stack up J.J. Watt's peak, those four years in particular, four of the five years to start his career um, after his rookie season, I think those probably stack up to any four-year period by any player at any position in NFL history. Um, Like, there was a four-year period before injury started to hit and really kind of rob us of the peak version of J.J. Watt. Like, that guy never really came back. We got a very good player once he recovered from all the injuries that he had, but it was never quite the same guy. Um, but that four-year stretch where he was at his best, one, it's as good as anything we've ever seen. Two, you could argue that he was basically healthy for four years after his rookie season, and in that four-year period, he won Defensive Player of the Year three times. Like, that's insane. Um, and then, of course, Aaron Donald comes along and sort of steals a little bit of the shine from J.J. Watt, I think in part because he lasted, or he has lasted so much longer at his peak. But I don't think Donald should take away from how great J.J. Watt was at his best. Like, in theory, generational players are supposed to come along once in a generation, hence the name. But we just happen to get two of them come along within a three-year window, right? Like, J.J. Watt came along 2011, Aaron Donald comes along 2014, but they are like two of the best 10 players to ever play the game. And that that's just coincidence. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check it out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. You go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you place the same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. It's only a DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PFF. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. One other thing about J.J. Watt and his career, Sam, at 6'5", about 290 pounds, that is the prototype for the 3-4 defensive end, right? Back in the day, the guys that you know sat over directly over the tackle, pretty much with two gap and just eat up blocks. That was the era that J.J. Watt entered. And that was pretty much the position that he played early on. Did it with a different style, but that was his position. Played a little bit more in the interior. But then he ended up moving to the edge. Far, you know, Predominantly an edge rusher, a guy that would win uh, you know, with speed if needed, with power to the edge against tackles. 
So he essentially played two different positions early in his career. Later in his career, he played a little bit more in the interior as a pass rusher. But another thing about Watt was his ability to just play up and down that line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, you can argue he played three different positions in his career. He started off in a in a world of three, four defenses being fairly standard. He was predominantly he went he was a full time interior player. Once the Texans realized what they had in their hands, he transitioned to the outside. Was a sort of a split his time between interior and pure edge rusher. Then became a pure edge rusher. And then once he kind of lost some of the speed and explosion late in his career, the Cardinals moved him back inside but in a completely different type of defense in 2022 than teams were playing, you know, in 2011. Like the, the league has changed, defenses have changed. So you can argue that, that he played kind of three different positions and was devastatingly effective at all of them. Like he, the last two weeks, he has a grade above 90. He's a top five graded defensive lineman in the NFL. He's still cooking at an extremely high level um, and going out when he can clearly still play the game like that level of versatility is amazing there aren't too many players that have been able to achieve that like chris jones being able to kick out every now and again and have a productive rush on the edge is laudable as a big 300 pound defensive tackle like jj watt became was equally as dominant whether it was inside on the edge entirely or uh, a, a sort of hybrid of the two what an incredible draft it was in 2011 there was a ton of qbs going uh, in, in the first round that year, I think it was five total, right? But um, the the Hall of Famers coming out of that top, you know, 15 picks, you've got Vaughn Miller, uh, A.J. Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, uh, Tyron Smith, and then J.J. Watt, who goes at 11, you know, on, on either side of Blaine Gabbert and Christian Ponder at quarterback. Mm -hmm. Look, I know you got to take your shots at quarterback, but when we look back at that 2011 draft, it's basically Cam Newton, and a whole bunch of uh, misses at quarterback, the Jake Lockers of the world, and then a bunch of uh, not all Hall of Famers, but a whole a bunch of Hall of Famers, including J.J. Watt and, and some high-end caliber non-quarterbacks there. What a draft that was. There was crazy depth to it as well. Like Jason Kelsey, I think, was drafted in the sixth round of that draft, something like that. Like you go all the way down that draft, there's still some very good players coming out of it. Yeah, Cameron Jordan, Cameron Hayward, uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, who was excellent for a while. So, yeah. 2011, man, it felt like yesterday. So you mentioned, right, the PFF era, having guys from start to finish. We've seen Joe Thomas have his entire career during the PFF era. Patrick Willis was in there as well, right? I mean, in Calvin Johnson, there's a few of these start to finish Hall of Famers down the PFF era. Who's that? Yeah, and Andrew Whitworth as well. Whitworth, yep. And uh, so pretty fun. So uh, pour one out for J.J. Watt, just like we did for Joe Thomas on the podcast. Incredible Hall of Fame level career. It's the PFF, NFL Daily.